0: Please open your Bibles to John chapter 16. As we have talked about for several weeks now, Jesus is in an upper room with His disciples, and He is just hours away from going to the cross. He has been in this uh, upper room now with His disciples eating supper and and giving them what uh, has become known to us as His last discourse. But the time that Jesus spent here in this upper room with his disciples, to me, it was a a great example of what I would call a labor of love. You know, Jesus just didn't all of a sudden say to these guys, hey, later I'm out of here and all of a sudden vanish from their sight. Instead, he, he took time to give them an explanation and instructions about what it was that it was going to be like after he was gone. And before we get started in our study of chapter 16 today, let's just quickly turn back to chapter 13. And uh, in verse 1 of chapter 13, it says that when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And when it says there that Jesus loved them to the end, that literally means that he loved them to the uttermost. He he speaks of his love here more in regards to depth rather than a length of time. Um, He loved them with a never-ending and unchanging kind of love that goes on and on and on and on. It's a love that is unconditional. The disciples of Jesus were, as I've said before, just a ragtag bunch of ordinary folk like you and I. And you can see examples in scripture of, of these guys, how James and John, uh, for example, encouraged Jesus to call down fire from heaven and destroy those that oppose them. We see guys like Nathaniel who when Nathanael, he first met Jesus or he first heard of Jesus, he said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And we read in chapter 14 how Philip and Thomas made some pretty silly comments to Jesus as well. Silly in the sense that they had been around him so much and they were asking him questions that, that you would think they would know. But the point of all that is, is that through it all, Jesus loved them. No matter what, Jesus loved them to the uttermost. And to me, all of this is very comforting because I know that the love that Jesus has for me and for you is in so many ways undeserved. We have done absolutely nothing that has made us worthy of God's love. God demonstrated His love toward us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us, the Bible says, Can any of us really say that we are good enough to deserve or that we have earned God's love? We cannot. None of us can say that. And today, nothing has changed. The love of Jesus is still unconditionally reaching far and wide to the uttermost. And it is an unfailing love. And just as He patiently took time to work with the disciples that were with Him in this upper room... Today, Jesus still patiently works with the hearts of men and women, reaching out to them with the truth of who He really is. And all of this work, as we have studied, is being done by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in the world today and and testifying of Jesus Christ. Now, we all know that in our society here especially, the name of Jesus is being cast aside and like I've said in past studies you know it's okay if you name the name of Jesus in a certain way if you say it as a curse word you're you're all right in most crowds you're accepted but if you talk of his love if you talk about his name in any other way in a biblical way then then you become the outcast but you know what god's love reaches beyond that god's love it's it's just immeasurable he he cares so much and i'm sure that many of you Uh, listening here today can testify to that, how God's love reached out to you, no matter what you've done or what your past may have been. But back in chapter 16, in verses 12 through 15, Jesus said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. So Jesus knew that without the power of the Holy Spirit, the disciples would not fully understand the things that He had spoken to them. Nor can someone today understand the things of the Word of God without the Holy Spirit working it within them. If you remember, we looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 a couple of weeks ago, which says that the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So, today, as we learn and grow in the knowledge of God, we do so only because the Holy Spirit is revealing things to us. And we need to be careful to not smother the Holy Spirit or to choke him out of our lives by being too carnally minded. You see, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are called to be spiritually minded people. And this can only happen when we are focused on the things of God, such as. Bible reading, praying, uh, fellowshipping with like minded believers, not being focused on the things of the world and what everyone else around us is doing, but by faith, fixing our eyes upon Jesus. And then as we do these things, as we continue in His Word, as we continue in prayer, uh, we begin to grow stronger and stronger in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we end up becoming a reflection of His love. In grace, Today, in our society, the name of Jesus is so often poorly represented. And the reason for all this is that many who call themselves Christians are led more by their flesh and their carnal minds than they are by the Holy Spirit. We cannot be a reflection of who Jesus really is without the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us and through us. And here in chapter 16, in the upper room, Jesus is pouring all that he can into the disciples before he goes to the cross. And picking it up now in our study for today, verse 16 says, a little while and you will not see me. And again, a little while, and you will see me because I go to the Father. So you see, very shortly from now, as Jesus is speaking to his disciples here, very shortly from this time right here, they're going to capture Jesus. And they're going to give him a mock trial. And they're going to sentence him to death on the cross. But Jesus is hinting to the disciples that he'll be back. Hey, before I go to the Father again, I'll be back. You're going to see me. A little while, you won't see me. But then a little short, and that that word little while there literally means that in a very short time, they're not going to see him. And then all of a sudden, they're going to see him again before he goes back to the Father. Verse 17. Then some of his disciples said among themselves, What is this that he says to us? A little while, and you will not see me. And again, a little while, and you will see me. And because I go to the Father. They said, Therefore, what is this that he says? A little while. We do not know what he is saying. Now, here again, from our standpoint of, you know, 2,000 plus years later here, we have the Bible, we have an understanding of things, but hey, these guys were right in the thick of it, these disciples of Jesus, and they didn't understand. They didn't know what he meant. You know, we know the rest of the story now, but but they didn't, but You know, but I also, like I said, I I like when I see stuff like the disciples asking questions like this, because we go through life with many questions as well in regards to God, in regards to the Bible, in regards to the Lord Jesus Christ. And God understands that. But the interesting thing is that what they're doing here in verse uh, 17 and 18, they are talking about Jesus amongst themselves when he's right there present with him. Why didn't they just ask him what he meant? But, you know, as I as I read that and as I was studying this, um, you know, we often do the same thing today, even as followers of Jesus. Is not Jesus with us always by his Holy Spirit indwelling us? Has, have we not studied that even in the Gospel of John here? Did Jesus not promise that he would be with us always? Can we not seek him in prayer and study his word? But here are the disciples kind of, you know, talking about Jesus when he's right there in their presence. But oftentimes we'll do the same thing. There are things that we can take directly to Jesus. He understands. There's, he's big enough for any question you have, any doubt you have, anything. He's big enough. Seek him. You know, let's um turn back to chapter 14 again, John chapter 14 should just be one or two pages back from where you are now. And uh, let's look at verse 23. So John 14, 23. It says, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the words which you hear is not mine, but the fathers who sent me." So you see, it's of extreme importance that we stick very close to the word of God, and that we study it, and that we grow in the knowledge of God, and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and that we keep his word in our hearts. Now, we're gonna come back um, here, but um, let's turn to the Old Testament book of Joshua. You'll find it toward the front of your Bible. It's right between the books of Deuteronomy and Judges. So you're looking for the book of Joshua. Chapter 1. And um, let's start reading in verse 1. So Joshua... Chapter 1, verse 1. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. As I said to Moses, From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. Verse 5, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide an inheritance to the land which I swore to their fathers to give to them. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded to you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, That you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. I have not, or have I not, commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, today, because of the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, you and I are no longer to uh, subject to the Old Testament law. Let's turn to Romans chapter 6. So it's back in the New Testament, right after the book of Acts. Just try and keep in mind there what we just read in Joshua. Uh, Romans chapter 6. And we're going to start reading in verse 3. Okay? So, like I said, we just read all of this in Joshua, and, and then I said that uh, because of the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, you and I are no longer subject to the Old Testament law of Moses. Then in Romans chapter 6, verse 3, Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we die with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. "'Likewise you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, "'but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. "'Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body, "'that you should obey it in its lust. "'And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, "'but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. So, as followers of Jesus Christ today, we are people that have had our old man crucified, and we have put on a new man. And as we've seen here, baptism is something that is symbolic of that commitment. So a person uh, acknowledges Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They realize, first of all, their need for a Savior. They repent. They turn to the Lord. They die to that old sinful nature. And then they go out and they symbolically are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And, are, and as, as something that is a proclamation to everyone else around them of the decision they should make. We should no longer be led by lust of the flesh, but we should be a people that are led by the Holy Spirit. And we are no longer living under the law, but we are now under grace. No one is saved as a result of their good works, and no one is condemned as a result of bad works. But a born-again person is known by the fruit that they produce, So they will not be a person that is led by the lust of the flesh. And today, when a person crucifies or puts to death their old man, they then become a new creation in Christ. And by the Holy Spirit, what happens? The Godhead makes His home within us. And we must take care to feed ourselves spiritually by reading the living active Word of God. You see, our bodies, the Bible says, are temples of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit resides in us. It doesn't reside in in temples and buildings made by man's hands and, and churches and structures like that. The Holy Spirit resides in us. That's why Jesus said we must be born of the Spirit. Now, if you consider that, if you consider the fact that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, how should we treat our bodies that are the temples of the Holy Spirit? I mean, and, and I can elaborate on that, but just think about that for yourself. How do you treat the temple? How should you treat the temple? Let me ask you something. If the if, if you picture a church building, how many of you would go up and deface that building? How many of you would go up to a church and and spray paint all over the side of it? or shoot holes in the outside of it, or hammer nails into a church building. You say, well, no, I wouldn't do that. That's a church. No, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So let the Holy Spirit lead you on that and convict you of of that. But I'm just saying, these are things that we we need to think about. And flipping back now to uh, John chapter 14, of the Gospel of John chapter 14, Jesus says there, In verse 25 these things I have spoken to you while being present with you but the helper the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you so you see it's the Holy Spirit that needs to speak things into our lives it's the Holy Spirit that teaches us. All of us can sit here and I can sit here and give you a bunch of different opinions about this, that, or the other thing. But what really matters is that the Holy Spirit resides in you and that you are obeying the voice of the Spirit and listening to what the Holy Spirit is teaching with, you know, within you. Now, the Holy Spirit does use teachings like I'm doing right here. The Holy Spirit, why? Because it's the Word of God, not because it's me. You know, not because of who I am. Believe me, it's it's all the power of the Word of God. If any of these teachings enlighten you in any way, shape, or form, it would be by the Holy Spirit that is doing it within you. But in chapter 16 of John, the disciples were talking amongst themselves about what Jesus was telling them instead of just asking Jesus himself what he meant. And today, we need to be careful not to fall in to doing the same things. God dwells in us. Christ in us, the Bible says, is our hope of glory. He is with us. We're never going to escape His presence. He is with us always. He will never leave us nor forsake us. We can take all of our questions directly to Him. And by the Spirit that, His Spirit that indwells us, He will answer us either by a a still small voice within us or directly through his word or he'll bring someone else along that will share the word with you and begin to you'll begin to uh understand the things of God and you'll have your questions answered but you got to seek him you got to stay the course you got to throw out your old man and say it's not about what i can do what i believe or what i've grown up believing it's about what god says here in his word okay now uh chapter 16 Picking it up in verse 19, John 16, 19. Now, Jesus knew that they desired to ask Him. And He said to them, Are you inquiring among yourselves what I said? A little while, and you will not see me? And again, a little while, and you will see me? Most assuredly I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice, and you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. So you see, when Jesus died on the cross, the world rejoiced, but the followers of Jesus were sorrowful. It seemed at that point that the the God of this world, Satan, had won the victory. The one that had claimed to be Savior, he was dead. He died on that cross. He's dead. He's gone. But praise be to God, we know the rest of the story he rose from the dead. And as Jesus spoke here with his disciples, he knew the rest of the story. The disciples were still clueless as to what would take place, but Jesus tries to explain more to them. And in verse 21, he he gives them an example. He says, a woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for the joy that a human being has been born into the world. Now, the disciples, first of all here, could not possibly have a comprehension of really what Jesus spoke about here since none of them ever went through the process of childbirth. But I'm sure there's many of you women out there that are listening that uh, can understand or can attest to the fact that Bringing forth a a child truly is a labor of love, but Jesus here was simply giving them an analogy of the fact that their sorrow would not last for long. In verse 22, he says, Therefore, you now have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and your joy no one will take from you. You see, when, when you come to know the risen Lord, You have a joy that no one or no circumstance can take from you. By faith today, we receive Christ into our hearts and we lay all else down. And at that point, we come to know a joy that no one or no circumstance, like I said, can steal from us. The world wants to steal your joy by causing you to be focused on the things of this world. But as we stay plugged into the things of the Lord, like reading our Bibles, being in prayer, fellowshipping with like-minded believers, we remain in His joy and our hearts find peace and rest in Christ alone. You know, many years ago, gosh, probably 20 years ago now, I did a study um, in regards to happiness and joy. And happiness has everything to do with circumstances. If your circumstances are good, you're happy. If your circumstances are bad, you're unhappy. But joy is something much deeper. Joy is something that we have because of the presence of the risen Lord and Savior within us by His Holy Spirit. Do we have trouble do we have sorrow? We, we see the death of loved ones or we hear of bad news and it, it grieves us so bad. But yet there's that joy of knowing Jesus, that joy of knowing that we have a hope and a future in him, that joy of knowing that this life is not all there is. And the disciples of Jesus, they had a time of sorrow. He's dead. He died on the cross. What do we do? And they took off and they they went into hiding. And they had this great sorrow. But as soon as they seen Jesus again, they had joy that no one could take away from them. And in that day, verse 23, in that day, you will ask me nothing, Jesus says. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. You see, after the resurrection and ascension of Jesus back into heaven, the disciples would no longer have Jesus with them physically to ask of, of him anything. But they would, by the Holy Spirit, have direct access to God. Look at verse 24. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. You see, today, you and I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The disciples didn't have to do that, as they had the Lord right there with them. But now, like I said, we have direct access to God in heaven, and we have His Holy Spirit within us. Verse 25, these things I have spoken to you in a figurative language, but the time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. And you see, that is the work of the Holy Spirit within us. We don't have Jesus here in the flesh anymore, but by the Holy Spirit of God, the truth of God is revealed within us. It's not an outward thing. It's an inward thing. And it's a work that the Holy Spirit must be the one to do within you. You know, like I've said before, I could convince you of something Or give you all these different reasons you should believe or this, that, or the other thing. And then someone else could come along and convince you of the opposite. And give you all these reasons why you should not. It has to be personal. It has to be intimate. And it's a work that has to be done by the Holy Spirit alone. And it's done when you begin to seek God and you get into his word and you study it and you rightly divide it, as it says in 2 Timothy, that you rightly divide the word of God. And that you, in other words, you you make it personal. You see what it really says. You don't just listen to a preacher or a teacher like me and take it, what I say, study the word of God for yourself. All I'm doing is as a teacher of the word of God, as I study it, I prepare messages, I prepare a note, a note, excuse me, and and then I go and I deliver it, pointing people to Jesus Christ. But I always tell people, you gotta know this for yourself within your own heart. In that day, verse 26, you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I shall pray the Father for you. For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and believe that I came forth from God. So now, because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have the ability for our prayers, like I said, to be directly heard by God. But this ability comes as the result of our loving Jesus and believing that he came forth from the Father, as we see here in these verses. We're putting Jesus above all else in our lives we 're saying we I love you, Lord, above everything, and i 'm believing in you um and that word believing means it's the it 's the Greek word I believe you can look it up uh uh i think it is and and it means that you know you're surrendering to jesus you're committing into it, it it's more than a head knowledge it's a heart knowledge you're trusting in him with your entire life um, now Jesus continues in verse twenty eight I came forth from the Father and have come into the world again. I leave the world and go to the Father. His disciples said to him, See, now you are speaking plainly and using no figure of speech. Now we are sure that you know all things and have no need that anyone should question you. By this we believe that you came forth from God. So now... All of a sudden, it seems that uh, it has clicked with the disciples. They seem to understand what Jesus is telling them. But the time of testing is yet to come for them. Jesus knows this. And he says in verse 31, Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Indeed, the hour is coming. Yes, has now come that you will be scattered each to his own and will leave me alone And yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. You see, when they come and take Jesus away, the disciples, like I said, they're going to scatter. They're going to run into hiding. Their expression of faith in Jesus is going to be tested to the max. Because if they stand strong and courageous, professing their belief in the Lord, they too will be killed. And Jesus knew that all this would take place. And in a loving way, he used this meeting in the upper room to comfort them and to assure them that he has plans for them and that he would not leave them even if they do deny ever knowing him. And Jesus says to them in verse 33, These things I have spoken to you, that in me You may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You know, when our eyes are on the Lord, we can have peace in the midst of trials. We can be of good cheer because our Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ, has overcome this world. Apart from Jesus, We will have no peace in this world. But with our eyes fixed on Him, we will know that He is our ever-present help in time of need. He is always with us because He indwells us by His Holy Spirit that is within us. I encourage you again today to continue to study the Word of God. Ask yourself, where are you? in your relationship with the Lord? Where, where is your, your walk spiritually? Are you focused on the Lord? Are you denying the Lord? Are you denying that He even exists? Are you denying ever knowing Him? Or is your life a testimony of His love and grace to others around you? The ministry of abounding love exists to, to teach God's Word. To reach out to people with God's love. So we're here for you. If you're listening to this, uh, contact us. You can find us on the web at aloveoutreach.com. Our podcast are on iTunes, obviously. That may be where you're listening to some of this now. It's uh, Abounding Love Podcast. Um, we will continue to pray for our listeners. We love hearing from you. So email us with any questions, anything, any prayer requests that we can pray for you about. We'd love to be here for you as a ministry. So thanks again for listening, and God bless, and we'll see you next time.